Welcome to the second episode of the I Tech Therefore I Tool Around podcast. Uh, with me is Matt Brender and myself, Sean Tuline. Uh, today we're going to be talking about home labs and we're going to tackle two important questions. Why do I need one and how do I go about building one? Our special guest today is Luigi Danikos, a.k.a. Nerdblurt. So Luigi, thanks for joining us. We're excited because Sean and I both look up to you as somebody who has a pretty well-established home lab. It's developed through the years, but before we get into the specifics of what you've built up, we want to talk about the why. So why would you even start by making a home lab? What does that give you in this community that we're after, and what does it do, you, do for your career? Well, the biggest benefit for me with having the home lab is it allows me to play with the technology that I don't get to use on a day-to-day -day basis, but I have an interest in for career growth. So it allows me to play and get experience with that and also for towards certifications because a lot of certifications you need hands-on experience. Brilliant. And then it also allows me to give back to the community from my blog over at nerdblurt.com. I can write about those technologies and then share for share the information with the, back to the community great you just brought up three points that are really key to this conversation the new focus idea that's something i connect with strongly the there are two things that are establishing my home lab or the reasons why i'm establishing a home lab that is for vmware knowledge which is something that's new to me that i don't get to do day to day and also network security knowledge it's just not safe to be running things like metasploit on a wide open wire so making your own sectored off environment is safe and gives me the opportunity to run that without getting in a lawsuit with my employer the community aspects an important one luigi can you talk more about that well yes i'm actually have become more involved in the community aspect starting from being a lurker on the community forums and partaking in twitter to actually attending uh, user group sessions where i've become more involved um, with the user experience and helping the community. I'm also a board member on the V Community Trust, which is all strictly community-based and tries to help out the community. So I'm definitely getting more and more involved in the community and trying to give back as much to the community that I can. Well, I'm sold. I'd hire you if I had a job to offer. But related to that, so those are all the communities that you take part in. How does your home lab connect you with that? Help me understand the connection... <laughs> of why, why building a home lab in my house would connect me back with those people. Well, let's say you're an end user and you're having a problem with something. Either it's just understanding it and you don't have the resources at your job because they're not going to let you play with their vSphere environment because they don't want you to mess something up. Um, it'll sure. allow you to come back in and test, let's say, different antiviruses. You can create multiple virtual machines and you can test antiviruses for your own home protection or you know your friends and family because all of us have family members that say hey what's going on what's the best this or that with their computers so it allows you to test stuff but the best part is it allows you to contribute back to the community because you may have an interest in something that your full-time job doesn't allow you to handle because of budget constraints or time constraints or whatever so you can do that at your own leisure in your house so great, yeah, you're, you're advocating for the idea of self-knowledge, but also what I like what you brought up there is that there are limitations to what you can and cannot do, even in a development environment at work, 
And something I heard over and over when talking on Twitter about this from colleagues is that they love the flexibility of a home lab because no one's telling them what they can and cannot do. And no matter what environment you're in, however creative, other people are going to be using that same hardware. So it's nice to break off your own little chunk of the cloud and be able to work on things. Yeah, I, I like the idea of being your own sysadmin there. Um, if you break something, you only have yourself to blame, um, but then you get the knowledge of fixing it as well. Um, and you can go at your own pace, and you can do things your way. Um, you can, you know, if it's a cordoned off system and you have it completely disconnected from the world, well, maybe you don't need to practice incredibly strict password policies uh, because no one's going to be able to access it but you. Um, it allows you the flexibility and freedom to do whatever you want with it. If you just need to test an operating system you're unfamiliar with, or you're trying to build a dev system for the first time and run a script in a sandbox and make sure you don't blow up your home computer in any weird creative way, it doesn't cost any money to run something like a trial version of VMware Workstation and pop in an ISO of some one of your favorite Linux distributions and get learning. No can, time like the present. You can actually use vPlayer, which is free. Oh, yeah. So you don't know. even necessarily need Workstation. But then there's also the options of VirtualBox, which is open-sourced and free. I don't know if it's open-sourced, but it is it's free. It's Oracle's Yeah, Oracle's virtualization. Of that, yes. So you have options there for uh, yeah, let's cheap be honest. at-home system. I have a four-year-old MacBook Pro in front of me that is dual-core with four gigs of RAM, and I don't utilize most of that CPU. Probably use a lot of the RAM, but if I use a lightweight Linux, like I've got plenty of space to run that side-by-side -side with my day-to-day -day activities. But it's good. I think what we're doing is expanding the idea of a home lab away from the multi-thousand-dollar price range and getting down to the... the what the hell's the phrase, the brass tacks of it, realizing that you can just run anything on anything as long as you're interested and passionate about it. Yeah, I mean, a couple approaches to building one of these, which we'll get into more detail later, um, you can... Dun, dun, dun. You can hybrid things together using uh, basically um, used hardware, um, whether you buy it or you acquire it off of Craigslist. <laughs> or it's been given uh, to you. Or there's a lot of great resources out there where people have done um, the research that says you can combine these couple of things here, which may not be you know the latest and greatest, but will still give you great bang for your buck at a new price. So let's get right into it. People talking about different formulas they've come up with for a home lab. Can you talk more about one of the specifics? Uh, the desire to build a home lab actually dated back to when I was taking my BCP4 exam class with you, Matt. Um, we had Tommy Trogdon there as well as several other people. And um, I was looking at the lab setup that we had for the class, and the first thing that came to mind was as soon as this class is over, I'm going to lose the ability to play with and practice with any of this here. Hmm. Um, so, yes, I might have been tweeting in the middle of the class, but uh, I posted out a very big question here that said... Um, you know, I'm looking for home lab suggestions uh, with the ability to study for the VCP4 uh, in mind. And repeatedly, um, it came back that uh, everyone had said that Phil had done a blog post um, on his first uh, server called The Baby Dragon. 
which met all the basic minimum requirements to do everything that would be on the exam. That's great. We've gone around, we've talked a bit about the why. Let's recap. One take-home point on the why anyone would want to talk about a home lab. I'll go first. I love the idea of really exploring something that you've wanted to get into, but you don't have the room for, you don't have the rights to at work. So why wait for the opportunity if you want to learn something? Make it at home, make time for it. Luigi, what are your thoughts? I would have to second that. Being someone that likes to ask a lot of questions and not necessarily um, getting the answers you like to hear from vendors, you know, because they're going to tell you their marketing fluff. Um, I like to I like to get in and, and basically break stuff and try to learn how to fix it from that way or or and I learn from from doing. So you can tell me how to do something, but until I actually do it, is when it's going to really embed in being able to play with whatever I want in a home lab. Um, is is the best. Sean, any thoughts on why? Well, like I said, I mean, I use mine for... It started strictly for exam experience. After the exam was out of the way, I've been using it to teach myself Windows Active Directory administration. Uh, for a single-bedroom apartment, I have, you know, the corporate infrastructure of a small business and more domain controllers than users. Congratulations. But what's... Learning more about AD doing for you. Is that something you wanted to explore? Or is it work-related? Well, in a sense, it's work-related. Um, I was doing a lot of uh, support for interaction with Windows Active Directory. Um, so I need to understand it to determine whether it's a problem with my product or whether an administrator has screwed up. Great, so it still tags into what, there's a common thought between all three of us, and that is to follow your curiosity beyond the bounds that your day-to-day job allows you to. Having the infrastructure of an unnecessarily large business for one person in your apartment is a great example of that. It works for you because you want to dig into AD. Let's talk more about how. Sean, I know you are the hardware junkie of us. Tell me. Tell me how. Well, um, to be honest, it, it just requires a lot of research. Uh, I basically aggregated together um, the thoughts of people who have been there before me. Uh, I talked earlier about Phil's uh, Baby Dragon post. Uh, he broke down a lot of the hardware do's and don'ts, mostly the do's to say these are the bare minimum things um, to get along with. Uh, and one of the things that I absolutely love about his setup here um, is the motherboard that he picked has built-in uh, KVM over IP. So I don't need to hook up a keyboard or a monitor or anything to this. I can just stick it in my closet, and even if the operating system on it dies, I can still remote into the box and take a look around from my laptop or my iPad. Uh, I don't even have to be in my apartment to fix it. That's great. Which system are you looking at to be specific? So the board that he has uh, recommended, and several other people use this board as well, um, was the Supermicro X8SIL-F. Most all of the Supermicro boards, though, do have a built-in KVM over IP. Great. Actually, that's a pretty good feature. That's an awesome feature. And Luigi, what are you running these days? (laughs) I run the Frankenstein of home labs. Um, I have literally paid zero dollars for all of my equipment, 
because I'm one, I'm cheap. How many favors have you given? <laughs> no favors, just people getting rid of equipment that they don't use anymore. Um, you know, having four kids and going to school on top of that and a, a wife that kills me when I spend one dollar over budget on anything. I try to be as frugal as possible and I've know a lot of people in the industry and a lot of people are getting rid of equipment that they no longer use and I just I raise my hand and say I'll take that for free so I currently have two IBM servers a couple Dell computers a Dell server and a HP netbook an iPad which yeah, well the iPad you won free it wasn't <coughs> yeah again again everything I have yet to pay for and or I've bartered for so I've paid zero dollars for my home lab, and it, it gets me through. I can run ESXi 4.1. I haven't tried 5.0 on it yet. And I'm not talking like all, all the major functions, but it gets me enough to where I can test stuff and play with stuff. Great. Now, do you run your home lab 24-7? I do not run my home lab 24-7 because I am electric green conscience, and my wife would absolutely kill me if I ran that bill through the roof and I don't have the need personally to run it 24 hours a day where I'm not running anything production wise or I'm not testing anything that would require me to do that I turn it on maybe an hour before I start to play with it and then from there I do my tests and then I power down at the end of every night I like how you brought up the green machine idea because that's exactly the title of Kendrick Coleman's blog post where not only does he go into his everything that he built in his home lab but he hooked up a kilowatt to the whole thing to show just how much power his home lab is drawing under load versus at rest uh, versus power on uh, to give you an idea of just how much this is going to be costing you from a power perspective to see uh, if it's really you know worthwhile to run it 24-7. I run my home lab 24-7, uh, but that's also because my home lab is silent. Now, one person who can talk really good about silent systems is Matt Brender. And someone who can also talk about <laughs> not doing enough market research before purchasing hardware is, ta-da, Matt Brender. Can hear Matt's system from the street. <laughs> <laughs> I had a joke. good connection. I, I trusted a man, no. And I worked, went with some tie-in blade servers. You know, not the very first thing out today, but dual-socketed with quad cores and 16 gigs of RAM built-in buses, six NICs on each one. I was, I'm really excited, and I was given a method by which I could follow and get it down to a reasonably silent configuration. The hardware list alone in that just sounds very <coughs> impressive. For those who haven't seen it, it is a massive uh, 1U blade there that practically has two systems in there. There's mm -hmm. room. It does have two independent nodes it built into 1U. It's, it's beautiful. It yeah. just... It sounds like the hounds of hell in heat. It just it screams to the point where Luigi and I were down the street coming back and we heard it booting up and that's when we fell on the ground laughing. I'm still attempting to figure out how to soundproof it to the point where I can turn it on and not deafen neighbors <coughs> or myself. But, yeah. Uh, I'd love to solicit comments from anyone who's listening to this as to Quieter how Matt can go about quieting it down. It looks to be as though it takes a bunch of either 60 or 80 millimeter, whatever size is the one, standard little 1U fans. Um, it looks like it takes a bunch of those running at about 
15,000 RPM, which is why it gets so loud. Um, there are some thoughts to replace them with some slower fans, um, but we have to take into account airflow. And I'm, I'll do the groundwork of documenting this to a, a decent degree and making a post on it, but I certainly would appreciate anyone's commentary on it. Luigi, let's get back into the low-cost approach to making a home lab. How can I make it as cheap as possible? Do you know of any different revenue streams to get that going? Well, a good possibility of generating revenue is, say, you constantly test um, X company's product, and you constantly give reviews of that on your blog, either tooling around or I tech, therefore I am, or nerdblur.com. A lot of companies pay bloggers or provide them with equipment to test their product. So if you're trying to constantly test iOmega storage, you know, you may be able to reach out to iOmega and say, hey, what's the chances of me getting <coughs> a free demo product that I can keep in order to test and review? And with anything, as you get more involved in the community and you and they see that you're putting out constant content about, let's say, Dell or HP, you know, these companies notice, especially the traffic that's coming from your site and what you're saying. And, you know, you'd be surprised that they may reach out to you and be like, hey, or you can just reach out to them because companies have marketing budgets. Luigi, it seems like a catch-22 that you're talking about getting people to notice that you're talking about their hardware, but also not paying for it. So what are you saying about the hardware if you're not being able to touch it until you have the opportunity for, for them to send it to you? <clears throat> what I mean is, you actually physically have to get the hardware from them. If you know HP is coming out with microservers, you can talk to them and say, hey, what's the chances of me getting a microserver so I can review it because I get this amount of traffic to my site when I talk about HP, therefore you're getting reached out to more people. And then you just tell them, say, I'm going to give you a good review or a bad review regardless of my experiences with that. Um, but you'd be surprised at some of these companies, you know, especially the larger companies, they have people out there that that's what they do they send them products to test you know and it's not like those fake email scams you're talking directly with the the companies and sometimes you never know just to hurt to ask say hey hp can you know what's the chances of me getting into this and obviously you gotta build um relationships with people you know the better relationship you have with people within that company and or the, that community that's involved with that company you know it'll help your chances to get in sponsorships and you know if you're throwing out a bunch of fud and crap then people aren't going to listen to you yeah. and they're not going to want to give you products but if you're constantly giving um true honest feedback and honest i mean no fud you're giving honest feedback like these are the pros and cons of using x product and you get generate a lot of response from that or traffic from your site or your your information because people start to believe you then good things will happen to you or you can say you have an old MacBook Pro, and I have a Dell server. You want that Dell server. I want that MacBook Pro. We say, how you doing? And we, Water of course... throughout the community. I mean... And for the sake of the U.S. government, we do file all of this as a transaction and calculate the amount of tax we owe on this bartering mechanism. Just, oh, not, I sold it for $1, <coughs> which is the exact price I bought my car for. Hey, we're not, oh, yeah. we're not a business. We're personal. I'm simply covering our ass. I noticed, Luigi, that you are very big with the V-Trust. Uh, does the V-Trust do anything to help people um, study with a form of sponsorship for home lab or providing people with remote access to a lab? 
this part of my coffin. Yes, they don't um, provide equipment, but they do provide access to necessary training aids and or in the process of setting up um, virtual labs that people can use for experience, mostly pertaining currently now for the VMware VCP. Um, I actually believe Paul Valentino just did a, a blog post on um, setting up a home lab, I believe using Workstation. You can check that out at vcommunitytrust.com or .org. It's org. It is .org. 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 I always mess it up. I always mess it up, and, and believe it or not, I'm on the board, and I mess up the website all the time, which is kind of bad, so please edit that out. <laughs> edit that out because I should you're know, off I should know that one you're getting um, voted off the island yeah workstation <coughs> workstation is actually a great way to do a lot of this as well um, it's a mini great because with the you know way over spec uh, equipment that people are getting these days you know a laptop that has 8 <coughs> gigs of RAM or more um, workstation can actually be used to virtualize uh, ESXi um and there's a couple of blog posts out there uh, where people will show you what's needed to do that. Uh, you don't need to buy standalone hardware. You can boot this up on your own laptop uh, that has a bunch of extra free cycles and free RAM to go ahead and use this as your study aid as well. Uh, and you can always take it with you. What I find difficult for me, though, <laughs> is, is keeping the focus of why it's worth running this at all. What are the ends? We, we've talked about the means is setting up this lab and why. We've talked about it at a very high level, the why. But what am I going to do? So I want to work on a certification, but how do I span that gap from following just a guideline in a book? But how do I take that extra step into using it like a true user so I feel like I have real system administration experience? I think with that, you have to give yourself a scenario, and the tough part you'd find is, let's say a, um, an end user is having trouble logging in something, and it ends up being an LDAP authentication issue. Sure. To, to try and clone that issue is going to be the tough part in a home lab, unless you know the exact variables of the hardware or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, so... You're going you're gonna to have to have some play, but if you can understand by playing within your home lab how the LDAP authentication works and configures into these various you know services, then it may help you to realize that there's a, a service issue with, with the machine that's causing it to conflict or a compatibility issue, and you can only know that by trial and error. When I'm studying stuff for a blog post or I'm researching for a blog post, I should say, is I don't necessarily have like, oh, follow a guide. I might follow a guide to set it up, but then I just stop playing with it to try and break it to see the limits. You have to know the limits of any piece of equipment that you're in. Like when I was in the military, we pounded the crap out of a Humvee, literally, so we could test the limits. So we know if anything ever happened, we know the you limits know that the worst we could. Case. Yeah, we know what we could get away with in the worst case environment. And the same thing would play in a computer environment. You need an environment where you can. Just break stuff and not have to worry about it costing you millions of dollars of production. Um, <clears throat> so sometimes you just got to play. I mean, you just, it's your own your own curiosity is what's going to drive you. And yeah. if you don't have that curiosity for anything, you're, you're not home lab's not for you. And a lot of companies <clears throat> these days who um, sell uh, 
some major pieces of equipment. Uh, for example, my employer EMC, um, we offer virtual versions of a lot of our products. Uh, so one of the uh, bigger and more famous ones would be the virtual VNX. Um, <clears throat> this allows someone to basically set one up entirely um, that may not perform at a full functional level um, as far as performance-wise goes um, to handle 20,000 users, but the exact interface and configuration and interaction with everything is exactly as designed. So you can see how this will work in your environment before you go and set up a big one. Um, and another, you know, thing that a home lab allows me to do, um, I have a separate storage server, which I, you know, for lack of a better reasoning, is an old Windows box full of hard drives, uh, most of which is stitched together with software RAID. Uh, I don't make any configuration changes to this thing until I've tested it out in a safe environment, because I, the last thing I want to end up with is a double-faulted RAID group and lose all my data. So if I'm going to be doing anything that might impact the drives, uh, I can quickly P2V this machine uh, into my home lab and make my changes there because if the drives die or the configuration loses itself, I haven't actually touched production until I can get the steps that I need uh, locked in. What exactly do you mean by P2V? So P2V is a... Playing stupid. Luigi's favorite <laughs> position. So P2V is when you go from physical to virtual. Mm -hmm. uh, you can basically clone the entire operating system uh, directly into a virtual machine. Um, and it will copy all of the settings and everything uh, in the sense of you powered it off, took the hard drives out and put it in something else and powered it back on. And you won't get any kind of confliction if, say, you're going from an HP machine to a Dell machine when you're P2V? Well, there is some things that just can't be copied uh, at, at a hardware driver's level, uh, but the VMware tools out there give you um, a pretty good reliability score as to how well it thinks it can clone it. Um, there's been a lot of advances in this as of late. Sean, you mentioned something that is close to my heart when you're talking about utilizing a virtual storage appliance or some sort of virtualized version of a storage system you have to remember what your goal is when you're testing that and if you want to test functionality it's perfect that's exactly what it's designed for just make sure not to test it for performance metrics because you are working through a completely different layered stack and different hardware and just be really clear about what you're testing what you can and cannot test with these environments we hit on a lot of good ideas, guys. So let's go back through and see where the conversation's gone. Luigi, how do you think it went? Where, what's, what are the take-home points on the why, the how, and the when, if you think it's appropriate? Uh, the take-home points, the how, the why, and the when. Uh, the why is it's beneficial for yourself and ultimately giving back. If you're into giving back into the community, um, the, the how is... It's going to be dependent on the resources you have given to you. Um, and there's ways that could possibly help you if you look at the vcommunitytrust.org and see that that's a community-driven initiative, um, whether you want to give back to the community and volunteer and be a mentor or say you have some old equipment lying around that you want to get rid of because um, one of the initiatives of the V Community Trust is to provide equipment to underprivileged schools. Um, so I definitely strongly encourage that to anyone listening. If you have any equipment or time. That was great. You beat me to it. I was going to ask you. 
I was going to ask you for plugs, but since oh, I'm we've definitely got there. I'm definitely going there um, because so, it's something I, that's found in my heart um, is to give back to the community and, and grow yourself. Sean, what are your thoughts? Well, my home lab started as to fill a need for testing and certification. Um, we talked about that in our last episode there. Uh, since that has completed, I like to play and tinker. And it's a great and safe environment that I can clone and blow up and do whatever to um, and not have to worry. It's a great way to just kind of say, oh, hey, you know, I was curious about this. Well, let's see if I can set that up and try it out and see what the results are without it catching fire. And that's the thread that's winding all three of us together in this conversation, that a home lab is a great idea for the curious at heart. All of us are ultimately curious about technology, and that's what drives our day-to-day usage, and that's what drives us to read our, our fellow bloggers and to build ideas off of them or to find ways of getting hardware from them whenever applicable. The how is out there. Sean and I are going to blog a great deal more about that after we release this podcast. And the when, it's either now or never totally cheesy to throw it out there but if you're interested in something you should pursue it now and stop waiting for it so with that sean thank you as always luigi do want to remind the people who you are though i bet they're following you on twitter already (laughs) yep i'm luigi danikos aka nerd blurt you can find me at twitter.com slash nerd blurt or you can go to nerdblurt.com and ultimately you can always check out the vcommunitytrust.org to get involved with the community Excellent. And this has been Sean Tulin at tulinaround.com and Matthew Brender at itechtherefoream.com. And this is a wrap.